Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. So, so pleased to be joined today by, by Rob Nyer. This is going to be a little bit different episode today because we're going to be talking about the West Coast League. Normally, we talk about an individual team and we talk about how that, you know, their logo and their brand relates to, to an area, to their, to their home community. We're going to be talking about the entire West Coast League and their new logo. And the commissioner of the league is a name you probably recognize because he's been on the air for two decades on ESPN and SB Nation and, and Fox Sports author or co-author of six books about baseball uh so so baseball eight. fan eight eight, <laughs> See, eight. i told, I I told you to, all of them <laughs> told you to correct me if i got something wrong i only you, talk about i only talk about seven of them so you could say <laughs> six that's close enough six uh, rob nyer is the author or co-author of between six and eight books on Perfect. on baseball <laughs> rob thank you so much for joining me it's great to be here paul thank you for having me so this episode is dropping on May 31, which is opening day for the West Coast League. You are a, an accomplished sports media, baseball writer, personality. How did you become the, the commissioner of a collegiate summer baseball league in the Pacific Northwest? It's a bit of a fluke. Well, it's a huge fluke. And it's sort of a long story, which I probably know maybe half of. <laughs> because I really have never been able to get inside the head of the people, heads of the people who thought that it might actually work. But four years ago, the West Coast League needed somebody to fill the position of it had been president prior to me. They changed it to commissioner, probably because president seemed like a more business oriented position and I am not a business guy at all. And I think people recognize that. So I thought, well, let's call him the commissioner, but we need somebody who can come in and write a decision when a, a, a coach gets ejected and perhaps suspended. Somebody has got to do that job and you don't want a team owner or anyone with a team doing that, because then you get into situations where you could have theoretically bias and, or at least accusations of bias, et cetera. So they needed someone to fill that role. They needed to find someone in a hurry. And frankly, they, they hadn't apparently had a great deal of luck prior to me because there'd been a number of presidents and commissioners over the course of four or five years. And I think they were looking for something that they hadn't tried before. I gave a talk at a baseball banquet here in Portland, where I live. And a man named Dan Siegel was in the audience. Dan runs, has run for many years, the Corvallis Knights. Dan is all, was also, and is an officer in the league. He's the, he's the treasurer. And um, Dan was also a co-founder of the league way back when. So Dan saw me, my little talk at this, this, this banquet. And for whatever reason, I've never asked him why, but he thought I might be a good fit for the league. And I wound up fairly soon afterward um, going out to breakfast with Dan. He talked to me about the job and what it might entail. And um, I got on a call with, with um, the board of directors. And then I spoke to many of them individually. And they offered me the job. It was basically, I thought it would be probably a very short-term situation, maybe a, basically a summer job. I had nothing going on that summer. I was just about to finish my seventh book, Powerball. And I didn't have anything else, literally had nothing else going on the entire summer. So I figured, sure, why not? 
And uh, again, that was four years ago and I'm somehow still here. So how familiar were you with some of the teams in the league or, you know, just the league itself when, when, when you came upon that job? I mean, it's a little embarrassing. I really wasn't that aware of the league. I knew it existed. I had been to a Walla Walla Sweets game because uh, my wife's grandmother lived in Walla Walla. So we visited from time to time. And uh, prior to my involvement, we had a, we had an infant, I had an infant daughter then. Again, this is quite a while ago now. This this was seven years ago when my daughter was an infant. And we just thought it might be a kick to go take her to a ball game for us. I mean, she didn't know the difference, but we have a great, (laughs) we have a great picture of her with me holding her next to uh, Sweet Lou, the, 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 the sweets mascot, Um, which I then, of course, I had, when I was trying to get the job, I shared that with everybody say, look, look at me. I'm at a West Coast game, but I really didn't know much about the league or summer collegiate baseball generally, except for, I knew of the Cape Cod League, of course, and I was aware of the Northwoods League, and that was basically all I knew. I knew the Corvallis Knights were a good, had been a good team, but I'd been to one West Coast League game when they offered me the job. So really it was a, I had to learn pretty quickly about the teams, where they were. I talked to everybody uh, that first summer, four years ago, I went to all the ballparks. Again, I had not visited really any of the ballparks yeah. except, except um, it's funny. I, I had, I'd been to Walla Walla for the sweets game. Um, and I had actually played in the, in the park where the pickles, Portland pickles play. Now I played briefly in an over 40 league many years ago. Well, not that many, cause I'm not that old, but, but <laughs> more than a decade ago, I, pl- I had played in an over 40 league. And I think I got into one or two games in Walker stadium where the pickles play. Now it's much better. Now they've, completely refurbished it but but uh, those were the only two I believe where I had where I had seen a game what was your position uh I was limited to the outfield yeah I can't I could couldn't could never and cannot today handle a ground ball I get I'm too afraid so yeah it was outfield (laughs) or nothing and I caught one game in an emergency all right well so we're talking today like I said this podcast is typically about individual teams and what their brands mean to their local communities but you all rebranded the entire league. The league's been around since 2005. For the first time in 17 years, the, the league has a new logo. And the, the logo itself is sort of filled with symbolism and, and significance to the entire Pacific Northwest because the teams in the West Coast League are in Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. And this new logo really reflects that, that in particular, the, the natural heritage of that area. Can you talk about some, some of the decisions that went into the creation of the new logo? Well, I, I think that when I saw the first iteration and, and we've, you and I have discussed this previously, but when I saw the first iteration from Alan Miller's design team, and really, I think it was just one designer whose name I'm forgetting, but but Ernesto Gonzalez. There, it is. that's it. Yes, when I saw the first version, it had everything that it, the the first one that he showed me. It had it was all there. You know, there were many tinkerings. Do we want to change this a little bit? That and, and we went back and forth for I don't know. I want to say a month, maybe maybe a little longer. But basically, what we had we wound up with is really elementally no different from what we started with. And the reason why we didn't need to do a great deal of work, at least from my perspective, is that there basically were two, I think, principles that that 
I shared, not that I had shared them, but that I wound up sharing with Alan that were in my head, even if we hadn't talked about it. And those principles were, we want to stress the geography of the league, the beauty of the league. And as you know, many leagues have done exactly the same thing, right? Uh, you go, you look around the, the different the different art that we've seen from leagues over the last, especially the last few years. And one of the things that they typically share is uh, a desire to, 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 to uh, promote um, the geography of that league. And of course, really, when we get right down to it, you can find stunning geography in every league in America, right? There aren't that many ugly regions in the country. <laughs> uh, maybe there aren't any. Um, I've certainly found things to love everywhere. Sure. But what they also share, typically, for, from my perspective, anyway, is a certain amount of complexity or busyness that I don't really appreciate. I, it's great in some, some situations, but to me, whether it's a team or, or league, I think that, that less is more. You want to show these things in as, as simply as possible so you can read it at a glance. I'll give you an example. I won't wear a t-shirt. I have, I have a big t-shirt collection and not like a collection where like I get them framed or anything, but I have a couple drawers that are full of t-shirts. kind of reminds me of my t-shirts are your hats, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> All um, right. For those who can't see the screen, and I guess maybe nobody can see the screen, uh, but uh, Paul's got a large number of caps. I'll tell you what, though, the the hat collection, I've, I've got maybe like 40, 50 hats back there. The hat collection pales in comparison to the Helmet Sunday collection with the... the You're the, the Helmet Sunday guy. I'm the Helmet <laughs> Okay, I've forgotten that somehow. I need to uh, put that on a t-shirt. I'm the Helmet Sunday guy. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, um, it's like um, um, Gene Autry said. Most people listening probably have no idea who Gene Autry was, but Gene Autry owned the, the Angels for, for many decades and also became initially famous as the singing cowboy. And he, yeah. I think he once said, I may not be the best singing cowboy, but I was the first. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you're yeah, the, you're the guy. You're the second person to bring up Gene Autry on this podcast, and the first was Jamie Farr of Mash Fame. So, so you and Jamie Farr have that in common. Well, that blows my mind. Um, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, I don't really appreciate. I can't wear a T-shirt. I shouldn't say I can't. I I basically won't wear a T-shirt if it's got more than one or two words on it. <laughs> because to me, it should be, you should be able to immediately know what that t-shirt is trying to, the story it's trying to tell, right? I'm wearing one right now that has one word. That's about as far as I'll go typically. Right. Um, and I think that that art for a league or a team should mostly be the same. Yeah. You know, when I see a patch on a sleeve and it's got 12 words on it, what am I <laughs> supposed to do with that? It doesn't tell us the story quickly enough. And no. anyway, so... What I loved about the art, the first time I saw it was this tells the whole story and it tells it simply and to some degree abstractly. But if you if you look at it for a couple of seconds, you don't need to read anything. You don't even need to, to read the West Coast League under the, the art. You know what we're trying, the story we're telling here. I think we do. I think you know. Um, and, you know, somebody made a really good point to me, someone in our league, which was you need to show this to people who don't know what it is. Because mm -hmm. when you look at it, Rob, you know that it, it's the West Coast League and you know the story we're trying to tell. Show it to someone who doesn't automatically know what the story you're trying to tell is. See if they also get it. And I showed it to a few people and I think other, some other folks showed it to people too. And they also seem to really get it. 
Yeah. And that made me feel like, okay, we're on the right track here because people get it. They don't have to think about it too hard. They don't have to read much. They just get it. Sure. Well, and when you showed it to uh, to me, the first time I saw this logo was on a Zoom call with you and Alan Miller. Alan Miller uh, is with the creative agency Collide and is, is responsible for the Portland Pickles, as, as we've talked about a little bit. But I will I will share this logo, you know, obviously when I promote this this podcast. But just for a, just a quick reference here, it's got the letter W for West, of course. Uh, and in the W, you've got a, a little uh, snow-capped mountain peak for the, the various mountains in the Pacific Northwest. And then not just that, but Alan points out that the counterform of the letter W uh, is a second mountain. So you've right. got sort of a snow-capped mountain, and then you've got the, the, the smaller foothill in front of it. Uh, but that's also the letter W. Right. The letter C has a little, uh, it, it forms the shape of a baseball. And then the L, the cross stroke of the, the letter L is kind of wavy. And combined with the C and the L, there's sort of a wavy feeling that represents the many bodies of water in the Pacific Northwest, not just the Pacific Ocean, of course, but Puget Sound and um, the Strait. I'm forgetting the name of the Strait. Strait of Juan de Fuca. The Strait of Juan de Fuca. Yep. So I said that, like we opened, you know, I opened up the PDF with you two on the Zoom call with me. And I said, oh yeah, look, it's the mountains and the water and the baseball. And Alan's eyes sort of lit up. You were in your car, you didn't have your video on, but <laughs> Alan's eyes lit up. And, and he said, okay, you got it, you got it. And so, yeah, it does read that way. But at the same time, and we talked about this uh, when, when I did the inter interview for the sportslogos.net article, at the same time, it's very simple. And there are, you know, there there are 16 teams in the league with varying degrees of sort of uh, wackiness and, and seriousness, uh, but much more complicated logos than this. And a league logo, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like, and, and, and you can tell me whether this was intentional or not, but a league logo needs to be fairly simple. This one is cool colors. It's got a couple shades of blue. Uh, it's got the white of the snow-capped mountain. It doesn't have warm colors, right? Warm colors advance, cool colors recede. This one is intentionally not using the warm colors. It's not doing anything too wacky. It's getting out of the way because that's what a league logo should do in a lot of ways. I assume that was intentional on the on the part of the league and on Ernesto Gonzalez's part when he created this. Well, I am absolutely sure that it was their intention. Yes. Uh, it's not something that would have jumped. I don't like I didn't even know that about warm colors. Now that you say it, of course, it's obvious. But no, I, I don't have that anything like that sort of knowledge or background. But um, and to some degree, one of the things that was the most gratifying about the process for me, we, the, the first gratifying thing was that the first thing I saw was so close to what I what what mm -hmm. made sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, can and, I tell you, can I tell you real quick, by the way, as a graphic designer, that makes us incredibly nervous. Like the first draft sort of being like, oh, we did it. <laughs> like that, that, that just doesn't, it doesn't compute for us. It's right. like, no, 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 I need six more revisions. Well, but I think that Alan and his designer, all those, they know, they understand all those things you're talking about. So they, that was already done. And the second gratifying thing was that I've never been involved in a design process before at all. Um, I would love to have been involved at some point with some of the teams that have come up with new art, but nobody thought, Hey, let's ask the commission. Why would they do that? No, but just because he enjoys art, that's no, <laughs> don't ask Rob, but it, it was, so it was gratifying to be involved in that process. But, but what was truly gratifying or something I was grateful for was look, I feel like a lot of times 
when we wind up with these with, with art that seems like it's trying to do so many things and i think often too many things it's that you had too many cooks mm-hmm. everybody had a pet idea so can we throw this in there and and you want people you want people want to get along sure we'll throw that in there <laughs> and and that's why you wind up with 12 elements in a league in league art when you really only need three or four mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i can report that the the unanimity among the league when we showed them this not the original iteration but something close to what we wound up with at the end it it was fantastic everybody literally everyone was supportive we love this direction you want to tinker around a little bit great we trust you when they said that we trust you they meant we trust you alan not we trust you alan and <laughs> and rob and the other person who was sort of involved on on at my level um and uh it just and then everybody was just so supportive nobody said we got to throw this in there were a few ideas people threw out could we do this like i'll give you an example and alan might have talked about this with you already but one of the things that i think is i'll be i think it's missing that in a perfect world would have been there was some reference or allusion to the international nature mm-hmm. of our league mm-hmm. that's the one thing that's missing that sort of sets us apart there's really as far as i know there's only there are only maybe two other leagues in in north america that have cross-border competition the northwoods league which is one of our peer leagues has one team in canada mm-hmm. and i believe the american association has a team in canada although i might be wrong about that well yeah. we have now five teams yeah. in canada out of 16 there's there's nothing else like us when it comes to international play anywhere yeah and it would have been a fantastic to somehow include that element and we toyed with some ideas alan's people toyed with some ideas and saw some mock-ups and we might wind up using one of those later mm-hmm. for some special mm-hmm. event but for this basic piece of of art for this, the most basic use, you know, putting on a cap or on a sleeve, it just didn't work to add that in. Um, and we were able to resist the urge to, to start loading it up with other things that people thought were missing, which I thought were missing. Yeah. I, I wanted, I thought it would might look better if, if the word league or, or the, the word coast was also in blue, mm. but ultimately it just didn't work as well. So yeah. um, Alan was, Alan was very accommodating when it came to entertaining ideas but in the end, it was his and his team's vision. And I think you need a singular vision yeah. if you want to wind up with something that really works. And this, and I think this does. Oh, design by committee, I can tell you, is is just the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I've been involved in it. And you know, as as a designer too, you can you can get beat down, right? Like you can try to educate your clients and right. then just at a certain point, it's like, you know what, you win. I'm just gonna throw everything in there. It's it's got the clip art and the comic sands and the eyeball <laughs> and the globe and the like whatever you want. Like <laughs> right, you and you are the customer, right? Right, right. Um, right. And if if you want something that's sort of a little bit ugly, uh in my mind or but to my eye, then you can have it. But yeah, we didn't have we never had that any of that pressure. Yeah. really uh, in this process. And I think that's why we wound up with something that's so elegant. Yeah. Well, and it's great. And it really, and elegance, the word it's understated and it's elegant and it's going to work as, as a great compliment to, to some of these teams. And so I did want to touch on just a couple of the teams in the league because, you know, there, there are 16 of them. We can't talk about all of them, but there are, you know, some teams out there with some great brands, some of them better known than others. I can tell you that 
uh, I think it was the seventh episode of this podcast was on the Portland Pickles. And to this day, it is still the most downloaded of any podcast that I've done. And I've done episodes on every, I, you know, I've talked with the great designer, Todd Radom, and I did an episode with Jamie Farr on the Toledo Mud Hens, and I've done like AAA teams and AA teams. The Portland Pickles are the most downloaded episode so far. Amazing. They are a phenomenon for sure. And they have become sort of, I think the central figure, the, the, obviously the, by far the most recognizable team in the league, their brand is completely different from the league logo. Can you talk about what the pickles did to put the West coast league on the map this way? No, I think you should explain it to me. I don't really, <laughs> I honestly don't understand it. I mean, other than that, that Alan is very good at what he does, but I don't do what he does. And I don't really understand it. I'm, 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 I'm able to recognize talent, I think, once it's like after the fact. But <laughs> I mean, honestly, I used to kick around. So there's a there's a there's a guy named Rob Nelson. You're probably aware of Rob Nelson. He invented Big League Chew. Absolutely, the old uh, Portland Mavericks. That's exactly right. Um, and um, Rob and I, for years, kicked around names for a Portland team, going way back to when there was. There was a lot of talk, and frankly, still is about Portland getting a major league team someday. So we would kick around names, and uh, especially Rob, because because that's kind of his thing. Like he loves mm -hmm. to talk about brands and mm -hmm. and names, and he's got a million ideas about everything, not just baseball names, but and art, but everything. Um, and like he has purchased, and I a bunch of like dot coms for different Portland baseball teams, just <laughs> in case. I have one. I have one. Portland okay. Swifts. I thought uh -huh. you have to, it's a very regional thing, but we, we, the port, the Swifts, the birds are famous in Portland. There's gotcha. a school where the one where uh, Matt Graney went to school that you see in the beginning of the Simpsons. Well, that school has a chimney that's there now solely to house thousands and thousands of Swifts every, every Too fall. Cool. Um, anyway, um, I, I love the idea of the Portland Swifts. I'm a bird guy. Uh, and anyway, so the, we, Rob and I would kick around for years. We kicked around, team of team names for a portland team the pickles was never <laughs> considered for it never came up like why and you know it turns out that as you probably know portland does have a pickles history yeah but it's like decades ago yeah nobody around now younger than the age of 60 or 70 has any idea that portland used to be a pickle producing uh center so like one of my big things for team names has always been, well, it's got to have some regional resonance, right? Yeah, for sure. Pickles doesn't really. Yeah. I don't. So when they announced it, I, I, I remember thinking, why pickles? Yeah. And what's the mascot? Why are the kids going to care about a pickle? None of it, none of it made any sense to me. <laughs> and then from day one, and especially after they joined our league, because yeah. they were in a different league for the, I believe the first year, or maybe even two years. I think it was two years. Yeah. Um, from the minute they joined our league, they were a sensation. People yeah. love the pickle, the mascot. Um, they they buy the stuff. They're all over. You see them all over America. Mm -hmm. um, they 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 you know. And part of that is because they do a great job promoting the brand. Yeah, obviously on social media and other yeah. places. Yeah. Um, but people also have responded to the to the to the brand, and I don't I don't I would not be good at. There are some things that I know I wouldn't do because they it wouldn't work. Yeah, but there are a lot of things that would work that I wouldn't do because I wouldn't know that it was going to work. And that's one of them. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that in a lot of ways, they don't know whether it's going to work or not. Right. Like that's, you know, I'm sure they do a lot of things that 
they may be as surprised as anyone when they yeah work. i think that's true i think that's true because not like all of their brands have taken off like the pickle like the pickle has you, right that's, that's true yeah um but they took a leap and uh that i wouldn't have taken and i yeah. i you know you have to give them credit for that yeah. Well, so they're obviously the, the, the big man on campus when it comes to the West coast league branding, but you've got some other teams in the league that, that are doing some fun things. The, uh, a, a lot of teams out there at every level have alternate brands, the Nanaimo night owls who play in Nanaimo, British Columbia. And I really hope I'm saying that name correctly. I you are. Okay, good. That's right. Um, but they're not just the Nanaimo night owls, but they also, they play their day games as the Nanaimo bars. And I didn't know what a Nanaimo bar was until I saw this team team name, but can you, can you tell me about, you know, the, the, there are 16 teams in the league with 17 brands because the Nanaimo night owls and bars have two of them. That's right. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, there's part of me thinks that another team might have, but I think, I think that's not correct. I think the Harbor cats might've toyed around with one maybe at some point, which okay. same ownership group as the, as Nanaimo, by the way, but they, both of those teams, the Victoria Harbor Cats and the Night Owls do a fantastic job. And that's really, that's all due to the, the leadership and the vision of Jim Swanson, who basically runs both of those teams. Um, Jim is a marketing whiz, great in the community, and is incredibly creative. I, I love their uniform sets. They, they've, I think they're the only team still that's worn the baby blues, uh, the Harbor Cats as an alternate uniform. So nice. they just do a just a great job with all their all their stuff i'm a big fan of the i'm not a big fan of the bars the bars are a they're a they're a, a a confection i don't i wish i i wish i had memorized exactly what an anaimo bar is it's three colors right yeah. brown yellow and white maybe yeah i think that's what the logo is yeah so that's right and uh when i was in nanaimo i was there two years ago roughly when they announced when they did their big public announcement of the team being created. And it's, first of all, it's a fantastic, it's like, it's an old fishing town, fishing and yeah. coal mining town on the right on the water. And the best way to get there, which I have not done yet, but I'm going to, is to go to Victoria right near the Victoria airport, not the Victoria airport. The, the Vancouver airport is a seaplane base. And for nominal amount of money really you can take a seaplane across the 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 salish sea the um over to nanaimo and lands right in downtown nanaimo it's just an amazingly dramatic uh location and then the ballpark's about a mile or two away and it's a beautiful old stadium um but um i had a bar when i was in nanaimo because i felt yeah. like i needed to yeah and it is not my speed at all it's just <laughs> you know it's it is a big hunk of pure sweetness yeah um yeah. so if you I, like if you like really rich fudge brownies i think you would you would enjoy an animal bar well i looked it up while you were talking here it's this is according to wikipedia consists of three layers a wafer nut and coconut crumb base custard icing in the middle and a layer of chocolate ganache on top so <laughs> yeah i've forgotten I'm, the details thank you for checking well uh, but, I but i the brand is really cool and for people yeah. who haven't seen it um uh, I, I think it 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 probably makes a lot of sense to have the bars be the alternate, but I think they're going to do it once a week, right? Every, every Sunday, I think, or something like that. They're going to be the bars. It was the day games. I thought where they were, they were oh, the night be. owls at night and the, the oh, of course, bars of course. During the day. Yeah, more of Jim's genius. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so no, it's, it's a really neat idea. And I thought that it was the way they rolled it out. Um, 
was very cool and i suspect that it's going to be once they actually start playing games it's going to be a really popular 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 brand yeah yeah well and, and it, it is a fun brand and like i mean like you i probably would not be a fan of the actual confection itself but the, <laughs> the brand is fun yep um okay so i want to hit one team in each each of the uh, states or provinces where the where where the west coast league plays so i'm going to pick one in washington here I'm wearing right now a Yakima Valley Pippins hat and their Mm -hmm. name, they've got a a big sort of grimacing apple as their logo and they're named for Pippin apples. uh, And they've been around since 2013. Can you tell me about this big smiley apple logo that plays in Yakima, Washington? I don't know much about the art per se, but what I can, can say is that for, for many decades, that was one of the prime apple growing regions in the entire world. Right. I think, in fact, I suspect that until China took over, I think I read someplace until China, a region in China took over a few years ago, the the Wenatchee Valley, um, which then also sort of extends down. Wenatchee is not far. And Wenatchee is another Apple team, by the way, the Apple Sox. So okay. it's, it's a little odd that we have two teams in one league that are both Apple based. Yeah. But that's where the history is in both of those valleys. Um, and to some degree, it's, it's still quite true that that's sort of the main industry. Um, up in near Wenatchee, Yakima has turned into hops country. Um, Yakima, the Yakima Valley, where the, the Pippins play, I, I read this someplace, is the largest hops growing region outside of Germany. Wow. Um, and which you actually, if you're there, you wouldn't even know unless you drive east of Yakima, which most people don't do because it isn't on the interstate. But if you drive due east of Yakima, all of a sudden you're surrounded by just as far as the eye can see hops. Um, so they could have gone with a hops motif, but, but uh, maybe they didn't because, you know, it's funny, the Yakima Valley Pippins and the Hillsborough hops came into being at almost exactly the same moment. They actually, there's a backstory there that the, 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 um, the hops were in Yakima. They needed to move because they had a stadium issue and they were all set to move to Vancouver right across the river from where I live here in Portland. Vancouver, Washington, that didn't work out. And they wound up in Hillsborough, which is a suburb just west of Portland. And they became, I don't know what they would have become if they had moved to Vancouver, but when they moved to Hillsborough, they became the hops. And a year or so later to fill that vacuum in Yakima, the Pippins became uh, moved in as a, as an expansion team. I appreciate the gentle way that you corrected my pronunciation of Yakima, by the way. I realized now I was saying that's something I had to learn. I, I always said Yakima. Until, yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, Yakima. They, people there say, I believe they say Yakima. And, yeah. and most people also think they're the Yakima Pippins, or they're the Yakima Valley Pippins, which I'm always careful to be careful when I'm in doing communications around the league. Did I do that in this conversation? No, I don't think so. I think you said Yakima Valley. Okay, good. One of those teams, and I think that it's Yakima Valley, they don't throw out a first pitch. They throw out a first apple, <laughs> which I have not had the pleasure of doing. I've, I've thrown out a first pitch at an Apple Sox game, but not a Yakima Valley game. Well, I think as commissioner, you should you should demand the right to. Uh, I've to- only done I've only done it in three stadiums so far, which okay. uh, it would I. There have been times when I thought, you know, should I actually? But no, I, I'm just waiting for the invitation. I've okay. gotten to be 
I've gotten to throw out three first pitches and I've gotten to be the mascot a couple of times. Oh, well, 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 heavy is the head that wears the crown, as they say, right? Like yes. <laughs> Until you've worn a marmot head, you don't know how, how true that is. <laughs> I did want to just mention that there, there's one other team that I just absolutely love. The In Walla Walla, Washington, you've got the Walla Walla Sweets. Mm-hmm. whose logo is an onion, a grimacing sort of, well, sort of more of a smirking onion with a baseball bat. And that's just a really fun logo right there. I assume that it relates to the agriculture of the area. When you, speaking of driving, when you drive to Walla Walla from the West, one of the things you will pass, you will pass basically, there are two things you'll notice driving through. You will notice all of the, the wineries along the way. And you will notice onion fields. That area is actually quite, was, I'm sorry, I sound like a booster, but um, <laughs> I've just been immersed in this world for too long. Um, but Walla Walla used to be famous for wheat. Uh, it was one of the top wheat growing regions in, in, in the country. And still to this day, I think that's true. Um, but they also now, there's a, ton, a lot of onions and a lot of wine, a lot of wine grapes grown. Uh, but I think that they probably tr- chose the right one of those things right uh they could have done a grape i guess but if you've seen the the uh what's his name uh the mascot's name uh sweet lou he's a great (laughs) mascot i've got a fantastic picture of him and my daughter as i mentioned um or me and him and my daughter uh and uh he's probably my probably my favorite mascot uh, in the league. I know a lot of people would say, what about the pickle? Well, yeah, the pickle's nice, but there's something about the way that, that the expression on that onion's face that I just enjoy. It's a great logo. No, it's a really fun logo. And like I said, there are 16 teams in the league and we could talk about, you know, each one of them has great story behind it. And the whole purpose of this podcast is to tell these stories. So, you know, I'll, I'll delve more into some of those stories in future episodes. And by the um, way, there's something I want that just a real quick question for you, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that the thing that limits to some degree the the popularity of brands it is not the brand itself but it is the the ability to to sort of get that brand out to the public right i, I mean i think that you're wearing a that the, the pippin's cap i think it's fantastic i would i would be thrilled to wear i i, I don't wear any west coasted gear because mm. except for the wcl stuff sure but if i did i would be thrilled to wear uh, Many of our teams have, I think, fantastic art, but honestly, I don't know that most people have any idea how great the Pippin's art is or the Sweets art or any number of others that I could name. The, the Sweets have a, a logo that I you've probably seen. One of their alternates is a W with a little number two for squared, which I think, you know, it's- Oh, that's funny. For which Walla Walla. Is, which I think really works well. Uh, yeah. they've, also done some, they've also done some hats that harken back to the 1970s when Walla Walla was a, a Padres farm team and Tony Gwynn played there that I think is they're just every almost all of our teams have multiple yeah uh, caps that I think really work yeah uh, but you know it's, it's so easy to get lost I mean there are hundreds right out there how do you how do you find the one that's the best for you somebody yeah. should be doing something sort of sifting through maybe maybe you've done this sifting through all the art and saying hey don't don't miss out on this one because this yeah. is special yeah well I'll tell you the reason I found this cap was through social media Mm -hmm. and they, the, the Yakima Valley Pippins actually came to, we do a live Twitter space show. uh, Actually it's moved now to Streamyard, but we do uh, my friend, Ed Rivera, who does the dad hat Chronicles podcast. He's a big 
you know, hat guy as well. And so much, he has many more hats than I do, but we, you know, we do this sort of live thing on, on Wednesday evenings and Yakima Valley showed up on it. Right. Like, and it was on national hat day. And I had said something about like, Hey, as you know, if any team that shows up, I'm going to buy one of your hats and, <laughs> and they showed up and I bought a hat and I love it. It's a great hat. Like you yep. say, and, and that speaks to what the pickles have done, right? Like the pickles have been such an incredible presence just right to make themselves known out there using social media. And so that's been, you know, that that's how you do it. And like you say, the landscape is getting more and more cluttered with more and more of these teams, especially at the collegiate summer level. There are so many collegiate summer level teams that have made sort of national headlines with their brands. Right. Uh, you know, now that market's becoming even more cluttered. Mm -hmm. All right, Rob. Well, so I have, I've kept you long enough and I will say that, that even though this is dropping on, on May 31st, on opening day for the West Coast League, I promised to get you out of here before tip-off for the NCAA College Basketball Championship game. Your Kansas Jayhawks beat my Villanova Wildcats, and so now you're going to go watch them get to play for the title. So, I, But I do, before I let you go watch your, uh, your basketball game, and I do hope they win because I also was rooting for Duke because my brother went there, and so I'm not a <laughs> UNC fan by any stretch. Uh, so I do hope Kansas wins tonight. I, I wanted to ask you, you have a new book coming out, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. You're the author of, or co-author of six, seven, or eight books. Number eight that is coming up is called "The Umpire Is Out," and uh, you've written it with Dale Scott, who is the subject of the book, and Billy Bean, who uh, works with Major League Baseball and uh, does uh, a lot of their 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 outreach for uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, can you tell me about uh, this uh, scheduled? Well. I will say at the time of this release, it's been out for about a month. Uh, it, it releases on May 1st. So can you just tell me about this, this book that uh, is the, the newest of your six, seven or eight books? Well, it's one of those things where you know, I, I, I should give myself a little credit. I didn't completely just fall into it like most of the good things that have happened to me uh, in my career. But I was very fortunate because when I was working on my last book, Powerball, four years ago, um, I wanted to talk to somebody who could address various topics. And I spoke to, I don't know, a few dozen people for the book. And there were a few things that I, I wanted. There were, there were 36 odd subjects I wanted to cover in the book. And then the question was, okay, who can I talk to so I can knock off all these different topics? And I realized that there was one person out there who could knock off three of them at one time. And that person was Dale Scott who had just retired as after a 30 year career as an umpire. And he could talk about coming out, uh, being the first and still only publicly out or publicly gay umpire in Major League Baseball. He could also talk about the plight of players who might wanna come out but haven't yet. He could talk about the strike zone. He could talk about uh, the pace of play, all these different things, right? And somehow I was able to reach him, I don't remember how, maybe through Billy Bean and he was gracious enough to meet me and talk to me for a couple of hours. And I just found his story so compelling. And I'd always wanted to work on a book with someone in baseball, uh, a, a, an autobiography. It's just one of those boxes you want to check off as a baseball writer. I think, I think most, most baseball writers, they think I want to do a book. Oh, also I'd like to do a book maybe with somebody else sometime, because that seems it's just some, one of the things you do. Sure. Especially the, 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 so many of the writers who I res have respected. Um, and I mentioned it to Dale. I said, have you ever thought about writing a book? I didn't say I want to do it. I said, have you ever thought? He said, no. A year or two later, 
a friend reached out to me and said, I saw Dale last night at this thing and, and he's thinking about doing a book. Uh, you should check in with him. And so I did like immediately. And we went out for lunch and before long, we decided to, 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 to work on it together. The tricky part was finding a publisher. Um, and we wound up after, I don't remember how long it was, six or eight months, we found a home, a great home with the University of Nebraska Press. They do a tremendous job on their baseball books and they do a bunch of baseball books, but I couldn't have been, I'd always wanted to work with them. So that worked out as well. And, um, you know, I try not to take too much credit for how the book turned out because it ultimately is Dale's book. I did put in a great amount of work on it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm proud of the book because again, it's Dale's book. I'm really happy with how it turned out. And I think Dale is happy with it too. And that was my, ultimately my goal was to, to come to wind up with a book that Dale was happy with because it is his, he's going to be, he's got to live with this thing for the rest of his life. His name's his pictures on the cover. So he seems to be happy with it. And if he's happy, I'm happy. And I do think he, it, I think that it's a really good story. You've got Dale's personal story, which is fantastically interesting, at least to me. And, you know, it's 20, 20, 20 his personal story and it's 80% baseball stories, really fun baseball stories. If you want to know what it's like to be an umpire, um, to, to go to umpire school, to deal with some adversity, to feel like you're failing in your chosen field, that's all in there. Um, along with a lot of good stories about, you know, Lou Pinella and, and Earl Weaver and Billy Martin. And, uh, you know, when you're in the game for 30 years, we could, Dale could write 10 books about every, all the things that he, that he experienced and the things that he saw. And at some point we just had to say, okay, that's enough. We have 85,000 words. That's a pretty significant book. <laughs> we got to stop, but we could have kept going because yeah. Dale's got a million stories. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this episode, uh, the day it drops, May 31st is opening day for the West Coast League. Mm -hmm. If you waited a day or two, it's June and it's Pride Month. And that's an incredibly important story that you've told in this book. I can't wait to get my hands on that book because I, I definitely will, will want to give that a read. It's a, it's a super important story. And, and you know, I'm glad that you were involved in, in telling and, and helping Dale Scott tell that story. And so uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to get it as soon as I can. As, as I mentioned, we're recording this before the book has actually been released here, but you know, I will look forward to, to seeing that. And I appreciate Paul, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little secret. The book actually came out about a month and a half before they told us it was going to. Oh, really? <laughs> so I will send you a copy as, as soon as the Jayhawks finish winning the championship. Holy smokes. Well, I, I will absolutely take you up on that. I, I would love <laughs> to have a copy of that. And I appreciate it. Rob, your website is robnyer.com. It has links to all of your books. Where can people find you uh, elsewhere on social media? And, uh, and where can people find the West Coast League? I'm ridiculously active on Twitter and it's easy to find me. It's just R-O-B-N-E-Y-E-R, just my name. Uh, and the West Coast, I think it's WCL Baseball is uh, I think our, our, our address on both Twitter and Instagram. I don't run those accounts, um, but the person who does that work does a really good job of keeping people updated. And I should mention too, that um, I, I don't know if this is on the website or not. It should be and will be someday, but for people who get a chance to see the new art you can actually buy merchandise t-shirts and mugs at um teambrownapparel.com okay. and they do a fantastic job on all sorts of different leagues and art and ba gbpl and negro leagues baseball so i highly recommend highly recommend their stuff and especially our stuff 
Rob, thank you so much. I took you right up to the brink here for tip-off. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, and thanks for taking some time out on uh, Championship Monday. Paul, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Rob. Good luck to your Jayhawks. Thanks. championship comeback all time